The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. All right, let's start by you taking out your Bibles. Open up the Bibles in the seat back in front of you to James chapter 5. Now, if you're using one of those Bibles in front of you, you can find that on page 1,885. And if you want to just kind of hold that place open, we're going to get there in just a minute. But before we do, I want to start actually by asking a question. This is for everybody here today. So just give me your attention up front for a second here. Raise your hand if you have some type of a presence on social media. Raise your hand if you've got some, you've got a Snapchat, you've got an Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you got one, come on, go ahead, don't, don't have to be embarrassed, keep your hands up, some kind, you've got some kind of an account, okay, now just hear me out here, keep your hands up if, if you would say that you actively use or post or check one of those things, keep your hands up if you do. Oh, come on, there's got to be more of you than that, right? Okay, go ahead, put your hands down. So I have a little confession to make. So I have, a, I have an Instagram, I have a Twitter, technically I have a Facebook, but I never really understood the appeal of all these things. It was kind of like, I, I know that they're out there, but I just didn't really, I didn't really get it. I didn't really understand it. And in our world, you know, we're constantly hearing about how significant social media is and what a big deal it is and how it's changing, you know, everything around us. And I was like, okay, yeah, wh- whatever. I still don't understand and yet it was this summer, this summer actually, I was listening to my favorite radio station, WWJ AM 950, where I get traffic and weather together on the 8th, and I heard, I heard this incredible story about how in our world, like right now, 2017, there are two and a half billion people with active social media accounts, and every single day, every single day, 438,000 New accounts are being opened, and I thought to myself, oh my goodness, what in the world am I missing? Clearly there is something that I do not understand, that everybody else seems to understand about social media that I just don't understand. And finally, actually, this summer, I figured it out. And so I wanted to actually share with you today what it is that I figured out about social media. So I guess I'm just, for those of you who already know, apparently I'm just slow. So, but at least I figured it out eventually. And see, what I figured it out was this. In social media world, I get to brag about all the amazing things that I get to do that everybody else does not get to do. And I get to tell you about how amazing my life is and make you wish that you got to do all the things that I get to do. And so like this summer, this summer I got to go to this great concert. I want to show you a picture of this. It was my favorite band, U2. And so I got to see this amazing concert. So that was awesome, right? And what made it even more awesome is that I actually got to be up on stage during the concert with Bono. And see what happened, this was like in Cleveland, and so the Edge, he's the guitarist, he got sick, and they needed somebody to fill in, and so Bono asked me if I wanted to do that, I'm like, yeah, absolutely I want to do that, so they brought me up on stage, and I got to celebrate the 30th anniversary of the Joshua Tree with Bono, which was just so amazing, it was like a dream come true for me, and and then at that concert, I mean, you're not even going to believe this, this is so incredible, at that concert was Tom Holland. Now, I don't know if you know who Tom Holland is, but he's the new Spider-Man actor. So he sees me up there, and he comes up to me after the show, and he says, hey, I wonder if you can help me out. I've got this thing that I'm supposed to do with Robert Downey Jr., but he's got a conflict in his schedule, so I'm wondering if maybe, you know, maybe could you fill in for him? And and I'm like, yeah, for Spider-Man, I'll do anything. That would be awesome. That'd be awesome. So I got to go to this photo shoot with Tom Holland, and I got to meet 
I got to meet Michael Keaton, and he's like the original Batman, so how cool is that, right? So I got to be there and hang out with these guys, and, would you, and, and who would have believed, but apparently, apparently, Michael Keaton, he actually knows Adam Levine, and I had no idea. Like, I mean, who would even know that those two guys would even know each other? And, and, and so what happened was, you know, Michael and Adam are talking to each other, and Adam's telling him how I, he's got this problem, he's got to be off the show for a night, and, and Michael's like, well, I know this guy kind of helped out Robert Downey Jr. with a similar thing, maybe if you call him. Maybe he could help you out as well. And so I got to hang out one night with Blake and with Christina. And it was absolutely awesome. It was incredible. It was, it was unbelievable. I can't believe that actually happened to me. See, what I figured out is, is this. In social media world, right, I, I get to be whoever it is that I, I, I want to be, right? That, that's a huge part of what it is that drives social media in our world, isn't it? And see, a part of that desire is that for all of us, every single one of us, there is a need and a desire that we have to be known, isn't there? All of us do. We all have a need and a desire to be known. And all of us, all of us want a place where we feel like we belong, a place where we feel like we're wanted, a place where we feel like we're valuable and needed, where we're part of a community. And see, let's take that a little bit further, because see, all of us, All of us want to be known, but the truth is every single one of us, we want to be known for a variety of different things, don't we? Now, some of you right now are thinking to yourself, especially you guys, you're thinking to yourself, no, I don't. I don't want to be known for anything. And I would say, yes, you do. See, you actually want to be known as the guy who doesn't want to be known for anything. You want to be known as the guy who is so incredibly secure with himself that he doesn't care what anybody else thinks. I don't care because I don't don't care, right? I I don't care what anybody else thinks of me. See, you want to be known as that. Every single one of us, we all want to be known for something, don't we? And I would even tell you this. I would tell you, listen, there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. In fact, I would say that's part of what it means to be human. That's actually, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, I would say that's a big part of what it means to say that we are created in the image of God. Every single one of us. We all want to be known, and we want to be known for a variety of different things. We want to be known for our accomplishments, don't we? We want to be known for the places that we go, for the amazing vacations that we take. Some of us want to be known for our lifestyles. Those of us who are parents, right, we we want to be known for the accomplishments and the successes of our kids, don't we? I mean, as a parent, of course I want to be known for those things. If you're a student, you want to be known for your GPA. You want to be known for the team that you're a part of. You want to be known for your education. You want to be known for the successes you have at work. Some of you, you want to be known as being disciplined. Some of you want to be known as a successful businessman, successful businesswoman. Some of you, you you want to be known as a leader, right? The list, it goes on and on and on. In fact, the list is, is almost endless. See, all of us want to be known, and all of us, we want to be known for a variety of different things. The problem, however, is when there's a gap between what it is that we want to be known for and what it is that we really are. Because, see, when there's a gap between what it is that I want to be known for and what it is that I really am, that's where I'm tempted to filter, that's where I'm tempted to crop, and that's where I'm tempted to delete. Because, see, if there's this image that I've put out there that I want people to think that I am, and that is important to me, and and, and I realize that I'm not living up to that image that I've created, see, that pushes me to pretend, doesn't it? And pretty soon we find ourselves keeping secrets. 
In fact, the incredible irony is that many times it's actually the people that we love and we care about the most that we begin to keep the secrets from. Because, see, those are the very people, aren't they, that we actually want to view us and to see us and to regard us in a positive way. And again, there's absolutely nothing wrong with wanting to be seen and viewed and thought of in a positive light. The problem comes when there's a gap. And see, the truth is every single one of us have some gaps, don't we? Because if you're single, you know all about this. Because if you're single, you want him to think or you want her to think that one day you're going to make more, you're going to do more, you're going to be this, you're going to create that, I'm going to be a part of this, I'm going to get to do this, I'm going to have this. If you're a woman in our world, I mean, you know all about this, right? Because there is so much pressure on you to look a certain way, to act a certain way, for your family to behave in a certain way. And when, you're, when you get married, I mean, that doesn't change, does it? Because every single one of you who are married, you have fought all the way to church at some point in your life, haven't you? And, and, and with your husband or your wife, and you have pulled it together in the parking lot, and you put on your happy church face. And you came walking in, probably holding hands, probably smiling and waving everybody <laughs> on your way into your seat. I mean, those of us who are parents, I mean, we know all about this, don't we? Because how many times have we said to our kids, if you so much as touch your brother, if you so much as even look at her, right? And then, and then when reality happens, what happens, right? We say something like, oh, well, you know, she stayed up way past her bedtime, or, you know, he was just up, he was up far too late last night, and our kids are looking at us like, I don't know what she's talking about. He, you know, clearly, you know, I got plenty of sleep last night. I think you're the one who needs to go to bed a little bit earlier, not me. And, and we find ourselves feeling like we need to make excuses for what is in reality absolutely normal behavior, but see, we didn't want normal showing up when we were in public, did we? Because we want to be known as a happy family. See, all of us, all, all of us have these things that we want to be known for. And the truth is, sometimes it's a little bit more extreme, isn't it? Because you drink too much. And the truth is, the only person who knows that is your husband or your wife and you spend a lot of time covering that, don't you? Because you don't want to be known as somebody that can't handle their alcohol. Maybe for you it's painkillers. Because you had an accident. I mean, it wasn't your, your fault. I mean, you had an accident. You had a surgery. And until you live in constant physical pain day in and day out every single day of your life with no end or no hope of that changing, I mean, you just have no idea. But, but you don't want to be known for that, do you? So you've got to cover that, don't you? I mean, you have to. Or maybe it's the IRS, and they're breathing down your neck. In fact, you don't even open the letters anymore. You don't have to, because you already know exactly what the letters say, don't you? In fact, you could stand up here right now, and you could recite it ver verbatim for every single one of us. Because you don't want to be known as someone who has tax problems. You don't want to be known for someone who's, whose marriage is on the rocks. You don't want to be known as that person whose kid is kind of a, a, a prodigal. Right? Because it's embarrassing. So what do you do? What, what do you do 
with those gaps. And again, there's nothing wrong for wanting to be known as a good husband, a good father, good wife, good mother, a strong person. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But what do you do when there's a gap? I'll tell you what we do. We crop, we filter, we delete. We isolate, we pretend, we hide. And many times, many times we lie, don't we? And we know exactly what it is that we want to be known for. And many times we spend our entire lives living, hoping that nobody will actually see who it is that we really are. And listen, if you think this is just something that I know about, you know, because it happens kind of out there someplace, I mean, think about being me for a little bit. Think about being a pastor. Think about being a staff member at a church. And 30-plus times a year, I stand up here in front of all of you, and I tell you what it looks like and what it feels like to, to live your life as a follower of Jesus. And you have every, I believe you have every right in the world to expect me to do everything that it is that I preach about. In fact, that's part of how I want to be known. As a man and as a pastor and as a leader. But I hate to tell you, nobody is that good all the time. In fact, many times after a weekend, someone will come up to me and say to me, Joe, how did you know? I mean, how did you know this is exactly what my family is going through right now? How did you know this is exactly what it is that I am struggling with personally? It's like, take a wild guess. (laughs) Because all of us, right, all of us, me included, all of us have these things that we actually want to be known for, but all of us have some gaps. Every single one of us have some gaps, and yet what we all need is people who know who we really are. And I'm not unrealistic. I'm not saying that you need to walk up to everybody and say, hey, I'm Joe, and I struggle with this and this and this. Nice to meet you. That's not what I'm saying. I get it. I mean, I'm not saying that at all. But see, I know, I know what the struggle is. I know what the pushback is for many of you when you hear something like this. You think to yourself, okay, listen, if, if people really knew, I mean, honestly, if people really knew what's going on inside me, if they knew who I really was, then they wouldn't like me. Well, he, here's the thing. They don't like you anyway. <laughs> they don't. They don't. Because they don't even know you. They haven't even had the opportunity to know you. All they know is the image that you've created. And that whole idea of what if they knew, then what would they really think? I mean, that whole idea, welcome to the world of not being known. Welcome to the world of living in secret. Welcome to the world of living pretend. Welcome to a world that is completely antithetical to everything that you were ever created to be or to do or to experience in this life. Because all of us, all of us need a place to belong. And see, at its core, at its core, the church is called to be and to do exactly, exactly that. At its core, it's the church that is called to be a community of sinners and broken people who know that there is a gap, maybe even a Grand Canyon-sized gap, 
between what it is that they want to be known for and who it is that they really are. And people should be able to come into a place like this and somewhere in this place be able to find a community of believers, a group of people where they can say, listen, I am not what I have been pretending to be and I am tired of trying to be known for something. Instead, I want to be actually a part of a place. I want to belong to a place where I can be part of a community of people who know me and who love me and who accept me for who it is I really am. And see, as followers of Jesus, every single one of us, we should be amazing at this. Because as followers of Jesus, we have all been accepted by God in spite of. And so we should be the best acceptors of other in spite of. We have all been forgiven. And so we should be amazing forgivers. Every single one of us, we have all been given another chance. We should be the community that is known at being the best at giving others another chance. That is what it means. That is what it's at the core of what it means to be a part of a church. Because this is a place. This is a place right now where every single person who's here right now, there is not a single person here who stands condemned and without hope. Because every single person here has a Heavenly Father who did not condemn them, but instead sent His Son Jesus to die for them. And there is, there is absolutely no condemnation for any person, in any situation, in any circumstance, in any place, in Christ Jesus. And there is no condemnation in his church. That is what we are called to be as the church of Jesus Christ. If ever there was to be a place where a husband and a wife could actually get together with other husbands and wives and say, listen, things are not as they appear. If ever there was to be a place where a man or a woman or a student or a child could get together with other men, women, students, or children and say, listen, I understand. I know what it is that you see on the outside, but you need to know what's actually eating me up on the inside. That is what the church is called to be. And that is what it is that we are called to do. Not only to be a place and a community where people can be known and they can be accepted for exactly who it is that they are. But they can reveal, in a place where they can reveal what's going on truly in their heart and in their life. This is to be the place where someone can come along beside them and say, not only are you not condemned, not only are you accepted, but what we want and what I want is to actually see you become everything that your heavenly Father has created you to be. See, that's what it means to have a place to belong. And see, what might surprise you is that this idea, this idea for the church, this is found all throughout the New Testament. All throughout the New Testament. That not only would be this be a place of people where you can come and be accepted and be not condemned, but that you would actually be with a group of people who love you so much 
they are not willing to leave you that way. That idea of the church is found all throughout the New Testament. And instead of us jumping into one section of Scripture and kind of going deep into that one text like I normally would with you, on this weekend I want us to do something a little bit different. And I want us to get a wider perspective on this. And in fact, there are so many different uh, sections of text that speak to this vision and this picture of the church. There's no way to cover all of them in just a single message or even in one sermon series. And so I put all those on the back of your outline for you this week so you could see them, so that you could meditate on them and think about them during the course of this week. Because part of what I want us all to learn today and to know today is that this is what is taught all throughout the New Testament. This picture of the church is thought, taught all throughout the scriptures. And I want us to jump into that very first section of text that we have opened up before us right now, James chapter 5. Now it's in James chapter 5 that James actually says something to us that, that might be a little surprising. In fact, it's one of those passages of scripture that really can make us nervous if we're honest because James says this to us in verse 16. He says, therefore, confess your sins to each other. And it's like, okay, wait a minute, James. What, what did you just say? You heard me. I want you to confess your sins to each other. Okay, fine, James. I'll go talk to my pastor later this week. That's fine. I'll go, I'll go do that. It's like, no, James would say, no, that's not what I mean. J James, are you saying that you want me to actually confess my sins to somebody that I'm going to see again? J James, are you saying that you want me to actually confess my sins to somebody that I might bump into, like in the grocery store or something? Someone that's going to actually know me? Someone who's actually going to talk to me? Is that what you're saying, James? And he would say, yes. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> well, listen, I don't do that. Then James would say, well, welcome to the world of pretend. Because, see, you're going to spend the rest of your life then managing an image someplace. James says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Don't, don't gossip about each other. He says, pray for each other. Why? So that you may be healed. And see, the truth is, every single one of us, we all have some things that we want to be healed from, don't we? And see, James says to us, if that's true then, don't just tell God about it, tell someone about it. And we think, well, if I do that, then what's, what are they going to think about me? They're going to think that you're a lot like they are. They're going to think that you're honest. And maybe, maybe God will actually honor their prayer. And you, you might be changed. James says, the prayer of a righteous man, the prayer of a righteous person, is powerful and effective. So here's a question for you. Who is it that's praying for you specifically enough to know what to pray specifically enough for that's causing the gap in your life? Who's praying specifically enough for that thing that is causing the gap in your life right now? And see, if you're thinking to yourself, nobody, 
because, listen, nobody knows, then that's a problem, isn't it? A little bit before that, in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10, we read this in verse 24. He says this, he says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us consider how, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. See, the only way that you can truly encourage me is to know where it is that I truly need to be encouraged, right? And the only way that I can actually spur you on to love and to good deeds is to know where it is that you have the opportunity to show love and where it is that you have the opportunity to do good. And then before that, right before that, the end of Galatians chapter 6, in, in, in verses 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul, he says this, he says, Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. Now we read that and we think to ourselves, listen, if I'm ever caught in a sin, I just don't ever want to see that person again, right? And Paul says, no, 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 that's not how this is supposed to work. If you are caught in a sin, Paul says, either because you confess it to someone or because they just know about it, then the goal is for them to actually come along and restore you and to actually help you part, be part of the community and to come back into that community together. That's what the goal is, Paul would say. And see, we think, well, listen, the only way that's going to happen is if people really know what's going on inside my life. And and the New Testament authors, they universally say, yes, absolutely, that is what the church is here for. He goes on in verse 2, he says this, he says, but watch yourself, or you may also be tempted. Because again, the real issue here is sin, isn't it? Carry each other's burden And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens, he says. What what kind of burdens is he talking about? Right? He's talking about sin burdens. He's talking about temptation burdens. He's talking about gap burdens. I mean, who is that person that's helping you carry that that thing that's in the gap between who it is that you want to be and who it is that you really are? And listen, if you say, I've got a couple of friends and they struggle with the same thing that I do, that's fine, but my question to you is simply this. Are those people really helping you carry that burden, or are you just commiserating in each other's misery? Listen, who, who is the person that, that you, you can call and, and they will say, listen, that's horrible, I'm going to pray for you every single day this week. I mean, who's the person when you're traveling that you can call and they're going to say, listen, I'm going to call you and I'm going to check in on you. Who's the person that when you're feeling alone and isolated says to you, I'm going to come with you, I'm going to be with you, I'm going to help you carry that burden? Because, see, listen, there is nothing. There is absolutely nothing in that gap between what it is that you are known for and what it is that you want to be known for. There is nothing that you should be trying to carry alone. And the truth is, if you are you're probably not doing a very good job at it. Because if you were, you would have already closed the gap, wouldn't you? See, the church, 
the church of Jesus Christ is to be the preeminent place for this to happen. And as followers of Jesus, we should be the one leading the way on this. Because again, just as we have been forgiven, we are here to create communities of forgiveness. And just as each one of us have been not condemned, we are here to create environments where every single child... Every single student, every single teenager, every single adult, every single married couple, every single senior can meet together with another group of people face to face and feel not condemned. That is what we are called to do and to be as the church of Jesus Christ. And as we begin this new ministry season together, that's what we're going to be talking about over the course of the next three weeks. And again, I I know... I know so much of what the pushback is when when it comes to something like this. Because maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, okay, you know what the truth is? I would actually like to be a part of that. I need that in my life. I would love to experience something like that. But the whole idea of joining a church small group and getting together with these people I don't know, I mean, it just feels so forced. And besides, I mean, can you really manufacture something like that? Can you really manufacture a place to belong through a program? And the answer is no. No. We can't. But listen. Here's what we have seen over and over and over again. Here's what we have heard from the stories that you have shared with us. God actually honors our attempts. God, he honors our efforts, and God actually honors the heartfelt desire of his people who want to help other people experience the same love of their heavenly Father that they have experienced themselves. And so here's what we're going to do together. Starting at the end of October, actually on the weekend of October the 22nd, we're going to have a series of small group connection events. Now, now listen, if you are already part of a small group, if you already have a small group, that's great. Now is the time to actually get your small group meeting together. Maybe you've taken a season off. Maybe you've taken a year off. Now is the time to actually get that group back together and start meeting together. But if you are not in a small group, okay, if you are not in a small group, please do not spend another year of your life, do not spend another season of your life feeling that there's nobody who knows you and there's nobody who actually knows what's going on with you. And again, I know I get it. I get it because some of you, you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, okay, listen, I tried a small group before and it wasn't a good fit. That's fine. You've all gone out to eat before. You've had a bad meal at a restaurant, but you still go out to eat, don't you? Okay, it's the same thing. It's the exact same thing. Right? You had a small group experience, it wasn't so great, that's fine. You still need to be in a small group. And so what I'm hoping every single one of you will do sometime today is on your device or on one of the devices out in the lobby, get our app, go to the website, click on the connect button, and when you do, this little form is going to show up, it's going to pop up on your screen. Just fill that form out, give us some basic information, and please hear me on this. Doing that does not commit you to anything. All that does, all that does is it gives us the best opportunity. It gives us the most opportunities possible 
to actually get you connected and to able to, to create a, an opportunity for you to start meeting face-to-face with another group of people and start seeing those gaps being closed by the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. See, that's what it is that I want for you. Because listen, as your pastor, you, you should know this about me. You, you need to know this about me. I am not content in any way, in any shape, in any form. I am not content to simply have a bunch of people come in and come out of this place every single week. That's not what I want for you. That is not what I want for your church. I want for us, for our church, I want every single one of us being able to meet someplace and to have a place where we can belong. I want you in a group. I want your kids in a group. I want my kids in a group. I want every single one of us meeting together someplace at some time where we can be face-to-face with other people, where we feel like we belong, where we can be face-to-face with other people who will not only love us and accept us for who we really are, but who will also love us the way that Jesus has loved us and not simply leave us the way that we were. That's what it means to have a place to belong. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for your family. That's what I want for our church. That's what my prayer is that God is going to do in us and through us through this next season of ministry. And so I hope that you will take that opportunity. I hope you'll be here with us over the next three weeks. And I hope you will fill out that simple form, as scary as it is. But remember, it does not commit you to anything. Now, in just a minute, I'm going to pray for you. And then we're going to have the opportunity to, to worship together. And we're going to close our time with a song. And then after that, we're going to have a little bit of information about what's going to happen in, outside in, today. Now, the song that I, I have asked to, to, for us to play together and to us to sing together and to worship together with right now, it's a new song. It's a song you probably haven't heard before. But the reason why I wanted us to close with this song in particular is because this song is an incredible reminder of what it is that Jesus has actually done for each of us. What he's done through us, that he has saved us, that he has changed us. And because of that, Because of what it is that Jesus has done, we will never, ever be the same. So let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, you alone know all the stories of love that have happened in this place. You know all the stories of where people have felt cared for in this place through the connectedness that they have to each other through a small group, through a friend. And Father, you also alone know all the needs. You know how many hearts this morning are heavy because they need that and they want that in their life. Personally, I want it. There's so many people who here who want that, Father. We want that for them, for each of them, for everyone. And yet, Father, there's something inside of us that's also afraid. We're afraid to be transparent. We're afraid that if people know what we're really struggling with, that they won't love us, that we won't be accepted, that we will be condemned. And yet the message of your son, the message of scripture, and the gift of the church is the reminder that that is not true, that none of us is condemned in Christ Jesus, that you have loved us, that you have saved us, and you have changed us. And Father, my prayer is that that reality and that truth 
would be known for every single person here today and for our entire church. And Father, I know that we can't force that. I know that we can't make that happen. But thank you, Father, for honoring our efforts, our attempts. Thank you, Father, for doing only what it is that you can do to change hearts and to change lives and to transform people, to transform us and to make us more into the image of your Son every single day. All this we pray in Jesus' name.